Never. Well, I figured today, if you came back, <laughs> it meant that you really love the Bible, or you're a very patient person. After last week's hour and a half long message, and uh, hopefully you were getting fed good, so, you know, it's not too hard to stay around when you've got, you know, maybe some uh, brownie a la mode or some good ice cream. I'll tell you, just for a two-second, just kind of you pray for me as I do what God call, has called me to do. And I should, probably shouldn't even say anything about this, but I just want to kind of tell you what's on my heart and how I'm praying. When I study a scripture, and, I, and I've thought about it last week a lot, you know, because we've got Kidwell workers who was there, and my wife and I have talked, and we've prayed, and we've, and, you know, sometimes when I prepare, like this is the sermon today, okay? We've got three full pages, and i got 45 minutes. Now, everybody says, oh, well, everybody talks to me, you know. Don't worry about the town. Just roll with it. Well, that's all well and good. And sometimes, you know, that's what we do if the Holy Spirit leads. But we got kill worship. We got all this other stuff that we got to be thinking about too. But we don't want to put a limit on God, right? You know, I put probably, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 hours into this sermon uh, just studying. Now, I love it. I love learning. I love digging. The Lord showed me some stuff. And the problem is I get up here and I just want to give it all to you. But I have to think sometimes, you know, there's different levels of maturity in the room. So while some of you need a bottle, some of you need a steak. And so a lot of the times me being eager and excited, I'm like shoving steak in the mouth of babies. <laughs> you know, and the baby's like, I think it's good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so what I want you to do, and the only reason I said any of that is, is that my calling and my gifting is just like any other. It needs to be fanned into flame. It needs to be honed. It needs to be uh, perfected by Christ. And so as I study, the study part kind of comes fairly easy to me just because I love it. But the, the being able to just be concise and just straight to the point, that's not as easy for me because I just want to give you what the Lord's given me. So pray this. Pray that the Lord's will would be done. Not that any man would be pleased. If we need to extend kid well, we just need to find some more workers. If we need to pare it back, we need to pare it back. Whatever the Lord wants is what I want, okay? I want to do that. And we want to make sure that people get what the Lord wants for them to have in the appropriate time and the appropriate amount that they can handle in that time. Because I would rather you get all of a little than none of a lot if I'm choking you on a big piece of steak. Does that make sense? So... Pray for me that I would be able to hear from the Holy Spirit and to know how to plan and how to reasonably lay out what God would have for me to say, okay? Is that fair enough for you? All right, is that cool? Is that good? All right, so today, uh, prepare, buckle up. We're going to go in for a, a deep one and a really long one. No, I'm just kidding. Let's pray before we get started. Jesus, um, I don't want to put limits on you. And I don't want to grieve and... and uh, quench the Holy Spirit. Lord, you have a word for your people. I just want to be good at what I do because you are good at what you do. And Lord, you know how many words you want spoken here today. You know the appointed time for all things. 
And so, Lord, I pray that I wouldn't say one more word than you would want, but not one less than you would want. I pray that it would be what you would desire would go forward. I pray, God, that it would be your word and not mine. I pray that it would be your timing and not mine. I pray that it would be your movement and not mine. I pray that if it does go short or if it does go long, anybody that would have a problem with it would take it up with you and realize it is their service and their gifting that empowers them and equips them to do what they've been called to do as well. And we all, while working together, do the work of Christ. I pray, Jesus, that you would be in every word spoken, that your anointing would be on this service or continue to be on this service. I've seen you today, and I'm loving everything I'm seeing. I pray that you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So. Today what we're going to do is we're going to continue on. We've been talking. You want to know how to get your congregation stirred up and some conversations around the dinner table? And you want to know how to get a lot of text messages and phone calls and, you know, needing some explanation? Preach an hour and a half on spiritual gifts, all right? Do that, and you can have all the phone calls that you would like to have, all right? So, but everything was good. Everything uh, was accepted. You know, I really didn't do a whole lot except read from the Bible and just give you the scriptures. I gave you both positions and said, judge for yourself. Here's the word of God, you know, make a decision for yourself. And so we laid a bunch of stuff out there and somebody said, and I talked to my wife too. She said, why, why talk about the first time you talk about these things, why uh, spend uh, such a significant amount on the amount of time on the supernatural side of the gifts. And the only reason I did that is is because if you uh, need to figure out or seek the Lord and figure out what gifting he has given to you so that you can uh, be used to build up the church, so that you can be used to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the church, then you need to know whether or not you needed to dismiss these gifts or those gifts right away so you don't waste time saying, well, do I have these certain gifts or do I not have these certain gifts? And so that's why we really addressed that right away. And I told you where I stood. I told you that, that in my opinion, the, there's not enough evidence in the scriptures to convince me that these gifts has ceased. Now, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but where my position is, is that I'm a plausible but cautious and that meaning that I do believe that there still exists these supernatural gifts. I do believe that God still heals. I believe that there is a prayer language. I believe that people still do speak in tongues and that type of thing. Now, I've never stood up and spoke out in tongues. I've never experienced that. I've never really experienced uh, the most visible type of healing where I just, you know, talk to somebody and they heal. I don't really have that gift, but I can't find the evidence in the scriptures to dismiss that. So I'm going to say that the Bible seems to teach that they still do exist. And I have seen things that would suggest to me in my own spirit that they are still alive and well. Now, we talked, we're not going to get back into that, but we talked about why we may not see those as much as we do, uh, lack of faith, lack of motives, or God's not, it's not God's will for you to see that at that time. But I believe that these gifts are still plausible, but I think we need to be cautious because what we don't want to go into is either of the two extremes that we talked about last week, which is cessationism, in my opinion, is wrong and it's an extreme, and it kind of deifies Christ instead of, uh, it's, instead of a, a, a theistic view where God is a part and God is here 
here. He is working in. It kind of separates him out and says, he used to work this way, but he doesn't anymore. I think cessationism is an extreme view, but I also believe that fanaticism or faith healing or uh, if, you have, if you only have enough faith and you can be healed and, and the supernatural works in that way, I think that's an extreme too. So I think that these gifts are, uh, uh, I, I do believe they are still active. I believe they still do exist, that God can heal. I think that God gives uh, people gifts of the prophetic type and the prophetic nature. I've seen it working, uh, and it's been proven by the text. And so I tend to think that that is true. I've had people speak words into my life that they really couldn't have known any other way, lest it be a, a, an utterance of wisdom. Uh, and, but you've got to be extremely cautious. And some people, I think, got a little nervous because of the speaking in tongues stuff. Somebody said, well, bro, we're going to start all speaking in tongues, you know? I, went to my, I got two uncles that are Church of God pastors. And I've seen some crazy stuff, all right? All right, now, that's them, and that's not us. In my opinion, and I've got to move on, this is the last thing I'll say. Whatever we do in here, we'll do it by the Word of God. And if somebody stands up and starts saying some language that we have no idea, we will wait for the interpreter. And if there's no interpreter to interpret that language, then they'll need to sit down and not do that again. Fair enough? Fair enough? Okay, now somebody gets up and they speak a word. They say, oh my God, I know what he's saying. And the person that was speaking said, I never heard Italian before. <laughs> we will say, praise the Lord, <laughs> right? We'll say, what did he say? And every word must edify God and we must maintain orderly worship and there must not be more than one. This First Corinthians chapter 14. Go and read it for yourself. Paul says very clearly, do not, uh, do not stop or do not uh, deny uh, the speaking in tongues. Uh, so we can't do that, okay? Now, like I say, I've never stood up and done that, but we're going to be very cautious. So we say plausible but cautious. Now, that's the reason I touched on the supernatural gifts. I want to show you today, though, that the supernatural giftings, whether you believe that they exist still or they don't exist, you know, whatever you believe about them, the supernatural giftings really are lower down in the line of giftings and their significance within the building up of the church. I don't make that up just because I'm not gifted in those ways, but it's very clear in the Scripture. So if you want to go and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, it says, First, he gave apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, and then gifts of healing. Now, when we look at this, we see in every list, we see a certain order by which the, the, the Lord lays it out through his apostles, and that is first apostles, then prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, okay? So there's a certain order that we need to go through. What I want to talk to you today about is the gift of apostles. Okay, so the, the, the title of today's sermon is Christ the Master Builder and the Gift of Apostle. Christ the Master Builder and the Gift of Apostle. The main text that we'll be looking at is Ephesians 4.11 and Hebrews 3, 1 through 4. I printed off a hundred of these for anybody that would like to have one afterwards, especially some of the bucket groups may be going through some of these. You can get it. I printed off a hundred. If you want one and I don't have enough for you, let me know and we'll get it to you, Okay. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, we're going to go through this thing. Uh, a lot. This looks long, but a lot of it is Scripture. I want you to see through the Scriptures what I'm telling you, because it stands on my word alone. It's no good. We must preach from the Bible and teach from the Bible, okay? So here we go. 
Christ the master builder and the gift of apostle. Christ, number one, Christ the apostle is the master builder and has been foreshadowed from the beginning. So my assertion to you today is, and my, my position is, is that Jesus Christ has always been the builder and the creator, that the one that produces and builds and, and, and does his work from the very beginning. We see in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So we see that Christ as the foundation is evident from the beginning, much like a set of blueprints. And so this whole sermon today, and the Lord's just been kind of whittling me uh, this whole last couple of weeks. I've been working on this. So if you want to go ahead, some of you are construction guys in here. We've got a lot of blue-collar workers, and I'm one myself. And so we've got a lot of guys in here that's worked construction before, and you understand that in order to build a house, in order to build a structure, you need a set of blueprints. Where's the first place that you start when you start to build a structure? foundation. You've got to dig the foundation in, but before you even start on the foundation, what do you need? The blueprints, right? You do. The, the actual construction is started with the foundation, but even before that, you need a pre-plan or a set of blueprints. Otherwise, you start building things all out of whack. So what I want to submit to you is that Jesus Christ is the blueprints. He is the way that it was designed to be from the very beginning. It is uh, visible in the building of the ark, the building of the temple, and the building of a nation. Possibly the greatest of these four shadows is the kings in, of the Old Testament, for they parallel the New Testament apostles. You see, the kings are those that would be set forth as, uh, as the people of God that would uh, set in line or put in order the things that were to be put in order, and they would, have, they would build armies, they would build kingdoms, they would put uh, committees, so to speak, they would put uh, these, these different people in different positions so that the work of the kingdom got done and the kingdom would be built up in order that it might grow uh, big and strong, okay? So this is the, this is the, the, the place of the the king to do this. And I, I would suggest to you that the king in the Old Testament is the parallel to the apostle in the New Testament. And so we see this from the very beginning is that Jesus Christ is foreshadowed as that one true king that would come and build his kingdom. So as we think about the blueprints, as we think about building a building, we see the blueprints, but then is the foundation. And then comes all these other steps in order to build up a house, right? So what is the house of God? Are we talking about this building right here? We'll get into this a little bit more but is it the building here? Is the building of this? What's the house of God? His church. But what's the church? The people. So God, Christ, is building a people. And from the very beginning, we, we see the nation of Israel being built and ran and organized by these kings and by prophets. And they laid these foundations and they put forth the word of God and they were placed there by God to build up God's people through the building of a kingdom. You see, Saul, David, Solomon, and so on were commanded by God to watch over and build God's people, his house, but all failed in a variety of ways. You see, although these kings tried, they all seemed to fail or lack in some area or another. They would uh, turn, to vain, to, turn to vanity. They would fall into sin. Uh, you know, David was a man after God's own heart, and he, and he loved God, and he sought the Lord, and he killed a lot of people in the name of the Lord as the Lord had commanded. Even so much so that when he came in, he wasn't even king yet, but when he came into the city and Saul was the king then, the reason that his life was sought after by King Saul was that the ladies in the city started to sing out what? They started to sing a song, and they sang, 
Saul has slayed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And so David became famous in the land, and through that fame, he was set up as as the ruler. Saul tried to kill him and tried to kill him, and he went through all of this terrible turmoil and this trial and suffering and all of this crazy chaos where he ended up in a cave with a bunch of slackers and a bunch of rednecks, right? You remember that? He ended up in the cave, and all the lowest of the low came to him, and that's where God started to build the right army. A lot of us think that we're too low, but just look around you. Just look around you. God's doing an amazing thing with regular, ordinary, normal people. God looks to use those ordinary people. Well, after David came to this lowest point, he, he arose again, and then he fell into great sin. If you'll remember, King David, he lusted. He saw Bathsheba taking a bath on a roof on another building, and he's like, oh. What's up? And he was king, so he could do whatever he wanted. So he's like, go get her. Now, her, she was the wife of a great general in his army, a great man of God, a good man. But he went, he wanted, he saw with his eye Bathsheba, and he lusted in his flesh, and he said, go get her from me. And he brought, she was brought to him, and he, had, uh, he committed adultery with her. And then she got pregnant. And so what did he do? He sent for her husband that her husband may come home, sleep with his wife, and then everyone would think that it was him that got her pregnant and not David. But what happened when her husband came home? Anybody remember? He wouldn't even go in the house. He actually spoke as David spoke before because David was on the forefront of the battlefield most of his life and he was fighting alongside of his soldiers willing to lay down his life but at this moment he's not and he brought this great general home and he said go in and sleep with your wife and the general looked at him and said my men are on the battlefield dying and you want me to go in and have sex with my wife you want me to go in and have this pleasurable experience right now and my men are dying no sir I'll sleep outside on the porch while my men die so he wouldn't go in He wouldn't go in. So there was no hiding it. So you know what David did? He committed another sin. What did he do? He sent her husband back into battle but put him on the front line so that he would die in battle. Essentially, he committed murder. He murdered her husband. So we see that these kings fail. You see, David, he desired to build God's house. But we find in 1 Chronicles 28, 1 through 3 says this, David assembled at Jerusalem all the, off, all the officials of Israel, the officials of the tribes, the officers of the divisions that served the king, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, the stewards of all the property and livestock of the king and his sons, together with the palace officials, the mighty men, and all the seasoned warriors. Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and I made preparations for building but God said to me you may not build a house for my name for you are a man of war and have shed blood the man of war that had shed blood could not be the one to build God's house but there would be another. Now compare that to uh, Ezekiel 37, 21 through 22. See, the world has been waiting on the one true king that would build the house. Now we see Solomon building the temple. But this foreshadows what Jesus Christ would do in building his church. Listen to what Ezekiel says here. It says in 37, 21 through 22, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone and will gather them from all around and bring them to their own land. And I will make them one 
nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all, and they shall be no longer two nations and no longer divided into two kingdoms, but they will be one. There was one king that is awaited. There is one king that will do what none of the other kings would do, and he will build his house. You say, Brandon, what does this got to do with apostle? You see, an apostle is one who is sent by God, one who is sent out, okay? One who is sent forth with authority. But it's not, it doesn't end there, but an apostle is one who is sent to build up. It is one who is sent to build up and to build on a foundation and to put these things together to, in order to accomplish a task, okay? And now that's a more general, the one who is sent is a general understanding. We'll get into here in just a second that the apostles had this type of understanding and the gifting of apostle was going and sent with authority to do this type of building. But we see that we need this king. We're looking for this king that would come in and build a house. He would be the one true apostle that would build God's kingdom, that would build God's house. Acts 17, 24 through 28 says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. He doesn't live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human's hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries for their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not too far from each one of us. In him we live and move and have our being. You see, Jesus Christ is that one true apostle that come onto the scene in order to build up his church. And in him, we find our completion. In him, we find what we need in order to build up. You see, as we think about church planning and we think about church growth and church building and, and all of this stuff, okay, as we think about what are, the, what are the evidences and what is it that we need to do in order to see God's kingdom grow, what do we need to do? And there's all these books made. What do most books that I've seen, what do they have in common about how to grow the church of God? You know what most of them talk about? Most of them talk about programs and stencils and pragmatic solutions to uh, reach people and to talk to people and to build up and advertise and promote the church this way and to promote the church that way. When I'm looking at the scriptures going, it seems to me that the way that we build the church is through the gifts that God has given the individual so that they would then start to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and the building up of the church. So we gave some to be apostles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or shepherds, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry the building up of the church. So we need to take a step back and we say, okay, what is an apostle? What does an apostle do? And do we still have apostles? What are these things? And so we see right now that Christ, the true apostle, has come to build his church. I want you to look with me right here. We're going to move on right here. It says in Hebrews 3, 1 through 4, it says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in, heaven, in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Now listen to this. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. 
He's saying here that Jesus Christ is the builder of the church. Jesus Christ is the apostle, the master builder of the church. We are the house of God, but he is the builder of the house of God. So the first thing I want to lay out before you is that the model by which we understand and we move forward is that Jesus Christ is the example of what an apostle is. Jesus Christ is the one who was sent. Jesus Christ is the one who had authority. Jesus Christ laid the foundation and is the foundation. Jesus Christ alone is the one building his church. But the question that we need to ask is, how does he build that church? Because this is very important to us. Because we need to ask the question now, how do we understand how God builds his church and how can we be involved in how God is building his church? Okay? So all the scriptures laid out for you, and I could go on and on and on and on and on. For time's sake, I will lay out for you that Jesus Christ is the apostle who was foreshadowed by all of the Old Testament as being the blueprint and the builder of God's house, which is the nation of God or the people of God, okay? Now, I needed to establish that because now we're going to move in to the gifting of apostle, all right? So Jesus Christ is the apostle by which we get our standard or our understanding of what an apostle does. Now, the second thing here is Christ, the apostle, is the master builder and is building his church through men. Okay, now turn with me. Now, I kind of need to establish. Now we get on a little bit of a roll here. That was more technical stuff. I want to show you now. Now, Jesus Christ is the one who is building his church, but what we need to ask ourselves is how is Jesus building his church, and how can I be a part of what he's doing? Where do I find myself? And if you're just sitting in here, and you're just listening, and you're taking in and taking in and taking in, that's okay for a season, because we need to be built up and equipped for the work of the ministry, but what I would ask is how long is it going to take you to get equipped so that you can work in the ministry, okay? So we don't sit and take 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 and say, oh, that was good, preacher. And then three years down the road, you say, oh, that was good, preacher. There comes a point in time to where you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, how am I equipped to move and do and to be a part of the building up of the church? So this is the ways that I see that God has given gifts. Now, there are multiple of ways, and not everybody is gifted in the same way, but let's open up the scriptures here. So it says in... uh, Ephesians 4, we're going to go uh, to verse 7, and then we're going to skip down. He says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. We've talked about this. Oh, yeah, I was asked to slow down while I was reading. I'm sorry. I get a little excited. You know. So if I get a little, if I get a little fast, I'm sorry. So when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and Gave gifts to men. Is that better? Okay. Let's move on down to 11. Now, remember in verse 8b, it says, And he gave gifts to men. Move down to 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Now, we're going to talk about the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and the teachers. But for today's purposes, we're going to talk about the gifting of an apostle. He gave gifts to men. He gave the apostles. Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, uh, it has this list again uh, somewhat. There's only three here, and I think that there's another reason for that. I don't have time for that. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says, And God has appointed in the church. Now listen to that word because that's very important there. It says that he has appointed in the church uh, 
first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Now, when Paul is uh, teaching this in 1 Corinthians, he's teaching it to the church. He's teaching it to everyone. And so we say, so Paul is teaching them that he gave first the apostles, uh, he gave second the prophets, and third the teachers. And he's saying that he appointed. So what we need to understand first is, is that you can't just assume that you're an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You can't just say, you can't be self-appointed is what I mean. Because we see in 1 Corinthians 12 that it says, God appointed first apostles, second prophets, we so, so on and so forth. So what you need to understand is you just can't say, oh, I'm a prophet. I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an elder in this church. I'm an apostle. You know, everybody listen to me. Everybody, you know, you got to listen to me. I, I got all these gifts. No, God appoints those that would be used in the church for the building up of the church. So we look at Ephesians. Let's go back now. Ephesians 4, and we say, he gave gifts to men. He gave the apostles. Now, what we need to do at this point is we need to talk a little bit about uh, apostle. The apostle is the first to be listed in every place pertaining to the building of the church, to building the church. But there's a few questions. I've got three questions that, I mean, I'm so, yeah, three questions that I think we need to ask now because uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding in this area and I want to clarify as much as I can. All right. So the, apostles, uh, the apostle is the first to be listed in every place pertaining to, to building the church. But number one, what is an apostle? What is an apostle? Uh, number two, why are they first in all the lists? And then number three, do we still have apostles today? Okay, good questions. We need to understand if we still have apostles today because what is he talking about when he says he gave gifts to men, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and so on and so forth. We need to ask these questions. So what is it then? This is a new setup. See, I got all of my notes right here, and I got a timer now, too, and everything. That's, that's pretty cool. I can see the next slide and everything. I could have been looking over here instead of looking at that piece of paper, right? Uh, so number one, what is an apostle? And there's a lot of uh, different opinions on this, and I will tell you, uh, you don't have to stop with me. Go do some reading, all right? Now, I'm going to show you my understanding of the Scriptures. I believe this is what the Scripture teaches. But let's ask the question then, what is an apostle, and why are they first, and do we still have apostles today? Uh, number one, an apostle is one who is sent. This one who is sent is usually a messenger and carries authority given by the one who is doing the sending. Matthew 10, 1 through 4 says, And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles. Now, I had a good question from Randy this morning. He said, he said, are the 12 apostles different from the 12 disciples? Good question. A lot of people wouldn't necessarily know the answer to that. So I think in this scripture, it shows us, it says, and he called to him his 12 disciples. And then if you go down and look at the next sentence, he says, the names of the 12 apostles are these. So there he equates the word apostle and the word disciple. But that isn't the case in all instances. Not all disciples are apostles and, and so on and so forth. Now, all apostles are disciples, but not all disciples are apostles. 
So what we see is, is that the 12 disciples were called, uh, the 12 apostles were called, given authority, and sent out as those who would be the mouthpiece of God. But here we can also understand uh, an, an apostle in a more general sense because the word apostle just means one who is sent from or one who is sent out. So generally speaking, all Christians are apostles, right? So we all could carry the title or the the, the Really, the verb would be more of it. We were all sent out, okay? I'm going to make a distinction here in just a second between the office of apostle and the gifting of apostle. Because I, need, I think we need to understand that just like we're all really missionaries, we're all really to be evangelists, we're all really to be apostles, or we're all really uh, intended to be teachers, so to speak, because you are to be ready in season and out of season to give an answer. So, But there are specific people who have the office of apostle, and then there are others who have the gifting of apostles. Everybody with me so far? Okay? So now, remember, the lines on which we are thinking are, how does this intended by Christ to build up the church? Because as people of God, you, could be, you should be concerned about what is it that God could use me for in order to build up the church and to see God's glory go forward and Jesus Christ be glorified in every degree from every angle. Okay? So, we ask the question, what is an apostle? Is one who is sent by God. So why are they listed first in every single list? Now here is where I think this is really gets interesting right here. So the apostle is listed in every list that you see these listed. He is, he is listed first. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it actually says, God appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets third teachers. And so we say, why is the apostle listed first in all of the lists? I think that we can look in the scriptures, we can see this. In 1 Corinthians 3.10, now remember that Jesus Christ is the rubric or the example that was given. He is the apostle, okay? And, and he is the one who has set the standard that an apostle is to go to where to be like Christ in the fact that uh, we are called and sent. So in 1 Corinthians 3.10, uh, if you'll look up here with us, it says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one of you take care how he builds on it. Very, very interesting right here. So it says, Paul is like a master builder. You see, Jesus Christ is the one we know is that uh, in him, by him, and through him are all things made. And the scriptures say that nothing was made that was apart from him. He is the creator. Jesus Christ is the builder. He laid the blueprint. He laid the foundation. He is doing it, right? And so we, Paul, as an apostle, is like a master builder. He is like Christ. And therefore, he lays the foundation and someone else is building on it. So this is what I would put forward as why the apostle is listed first. Number one is a skilled master builder is gifted or equipped to some degree in every area of building so that he may properly oversee the building process. And when I use skilled master builder here, I want you to know that this is really uh, equative to an apostle, all right? So this is the gifting, the office of apostle right here. We're going to distinguish those two in just a second. But a skilled master builder uh, is one who has certain gifts that other people just don't have. 
that is needed in order to lead out for the building of the church. Okay, is everybody with me so far? So we find these things in the skilled master builder and in the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 3.10. A skilled master builder is gifted or equipped to some degree in every area of building so that he may properly oversee the building process. You see, uh, an apostle, one who is gifted as an apostle, uh, he has uh, all of the giftings to some degree. So he may not be the strongest prophet around. He may not be the strongest evangelist around or the strongest teacher or the pastor or so on and so forth, but he's like a general contractor. A general contractor is not a very good general contractor if he doesn't know what a foundation should look like. Now, he's not the very best at pouring that foundation or digging the footings and all of that type of stuff, but he's able to come back around and behind the guys and say, man, that looks good. Or he's able to, while they're pouring it and while they're digging it, look at the guys and say, you got to get off of my job. This is supposed to be an 18-inch uh, footer with a foundation of 18 inches and, and, and 12 inches deep, but you've got it 10 inches wide and 4 inches deep. you got to go. You see, he's able to properly oversee the building of the church and the framework of the church so that he can uh, make a call. So he's, he's kind of like a general contractor. He's got a little bit of the prophetic. He can look and say, no, that, that's not in line with the scriptures. You know, He has the desire to go. And what this does is also, look here, a skilled master builder knows that the foundation is the most important part of the house. So he knows and can look right away, you're not building on the right foundation. This house isn't going to stand. This house is not going to stand. And we see the Apostle Paul uh, saying very clearly that anybody else that builds on another foundation from what we have previously laid on Jesus Christ, it will not stand. It will come down, and it will be proven in the end because it will not stand the test of time. A skilled master builder knows how to find, test, employ, and oversee other more skilled laborers. Here is an absolute key to the building of the church. So the, the gifting of apostle would come out as one who is a general contractor, and he's, 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 he has a little bit of skill in each area, but he's not the best at each area, okay? But what he is good at is knowing well enough the areas and being able to recognize someone who can lay the foundation. He has the contacts. He has the awareness to go and say, look, you're a great framer. I'm not all that good at it, but the house has got to be built. Can you come and can you, can you work on this house? Uh, you're a good sheetrock guy. I need you over here to do this sheetrock. If I did it, it would look like, you know what, just go back and take a look because I did some of that back there, okay? Now, I'm not even kidding, all right? You can see my mistakes, right? But the guys who are really good at it, actually, you know what happened? Now, this was a God thing. You say, I don't believe in the supernatural. Okay, well, check this out. Sheetrock story that is supernatural. So I'm in here, and I'm working, and I'm doing the worst sheetrock job that you could possibly imagine. It's not quite as bad as clay and dusty, but it's bad, all right? No, I'm just kidding. So I'm in here, and I'm laying sheetrock, and it just looks like a mess. And people are coming in there, like, getting mad at me, you know, because they're like, we can't have this looking like this. We do this with excellence. Who is it? You need to hire somebody. This is awful. And I'm like, man, I laid that. You know, they didn't know. I laid that. Man, that, was, that hurt. Oh, that hurt. So I was trying to get in touch with this guy who I knew was, was good at laying sheetrock, very good at laying sheetrock. And I was trying, I was trying to get in touch with him, trying to get in touch with him, trying to get, to, can't get in touch with him, right? So finally it comes down to making a decision. This sheetrock's got to be done. He called me. He called me the next day and he said, Brandon, I need a job. <laughs> and I was like, man, I got a job just for you, right? So what did we do? We hired him to come in and fix all my mess. That's the truth. And some of your mess too, right? 
I mean, it was like, what can I do? Well, I didn't know that you were supposed to put sheetrock lightly on the mud joints. So I'm like, you know, had a couple girls come in and say, what can I do? What can I do? I say, mud some joints. They're like, Phew. Now, does it look good? I'm like, yeah, that looks awesome. Sheetrock guy comes in and says, who did this? <laughs> you know, he's over there sanding. <laughs> he needed to be the one doing that, right? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I love you guys. I appreciate it. A for effort, you know. Uh, I would have done the same thing, but like, you know, with a slingshot. <laughs> so he came in, and then uh, he, fixed all, he fixes all of my mess. Well, a good, a good apostle, one who is gifted as an apostle, and I probably should have distinguished between, I'm, I'm kind of gathering now, I probably should have distinguished between office and gifting before I got here, but I will in just a second. One who is gifted, because this pertains to the office of apostle, which is the original 12 too. So one, is a gifted, one who is gifted as an apostle, he's got a little understanding. Like I can go in and I can say after that sheetrock wall's done, I can get beside it and I can shine a light and I can say, oh, that looks pretty good, but I can't make it look good. Right? I can't do it. But I'm aware enough to know that, or an apostle is aware enough to know that, to come in and say, I can't do this. I need you to do it. Can you come and do it? And generally speaking, uh, God has given him that they would come in and they would, they would be there for him. They would work. So he's got enough skills that he can be able to uh, find, test, employ, and oversee other more skilled laborers. You see why he's first? It's not because he's a special no, it's because God has gifted him in such a way that he needs to lay that foundation and that he can bring the others in so that they can start working. Without the foundation, without the, the beginning, without the implementation of the blueprints, everybody else really doesn't know what to do. I mean, what would the guy do if, if he would have never been able to get in touch with me to come up here and know what, that there was even a sheetrock wall to be done, right? So he's got these skills, and it's a gifting. A skilled master builder, listen to this, a skilled master builder uh, uh, more than likely will not be the best at any one area but is more of a coordinator. We talked about that. And a good skilled master builder will know when to get out of the way. This is one of the things that uh, most apostles find really hard. Those gifted as an apostle find really hard because they want to lead. They want to drive. They want to go. They want to do it all, but it's really tough. But a skilled master builder knows how to get out of the way. An apostle knows how to get out of the way. A skilled master builder is goal-oriented, finished the house, and, is, and his downfall will many times be the sacrifice of the people for the reaching of the goal. You see, this is why he is the first of many. Now, I wish I had time to go into all that uh, the Lord has been showing me on uh, the unity of the body, the unity of the people of God, uh, and how there is where God commands his blessing. So if you're listening to me, just know this, is that an apostle may be first because he's gifted in certain ways to lay the foundation to start a work and to start building and then to incorporate and gather to himself all of these other people who are gifted in other ways because he's just not gifted in those ways that that part of the ministry might work. Now, if, if, if he doesn't do that, then it's skewed and it's problematic and it becomes an extreme. And I'm not going to get into this right now, but I believe that's why we've got so many denominations right now is because I believe the fivefold ministry has been splintered and you have, some, I think, certain denominations you can see are just led by apostles and they, they're not letting prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers in. Some are just led by teachers. Some are just led by prophets. Some are just led by pastors. And you have these leanings, right? And all of this stuff right here is just starting to... In Psalm 133, it said, Behold how blessed and good it is when brothers dwell in unity. There's where God commands his blessing, life forevermore. So when you find the church that all five 
of the fivefold ministry are in operation, you see the best one picture of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ was the greatest apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. He was the greatest of all five in one. But we are gifted in one or the other normally. And so we need to come together and move as one in order to, to uh, do the work of the ministry. And this is church growth 101. It should be. I can't find the book. I don't know why. So, I, and I believe that this is what you see right here, why the apostles are first. Now, let me uh, define for you then the question of today's, why, or let's say the third question is, do we still have apostles today? I'm going to go through this real quickly because it's not very complicated at all. Uh, the question of today's apostles must be addressed by defining the office of apostle and the gift of apostle. Uh, and if any of you want to, these notes, when I get done, I'll give them to you, but I'm going to move through this kind of quickly. First, the office of apostle is defined as the office occupied by the original 12 apostles, Matthias and Paul. The distinction in office and gifting can really be found in three differences between the originals and all others. Okay, number one, to hold the office of apostle. And, and you may ask, where does that come from, the word office? Okay, how can you distinguish between office and gifting? Well, I'll, I'll show you that in the scriptures right quick because it's important that I didn't just make this stuff up, but it's actually in the scriptures. Do you remember when uh, Judas, uh, he betrayed Jesus, and then he went out and he hung himself, right? And he died. Well, there's actually a place for the 12 apostles uh, in the kingdom of God where they will sit on 12 thrones uh, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, okay? And what we need to see is that that was a certain office instituted by God for a certain 12 men who would then go on to uh, close that office after that. So this word right here is not made up by me, but it says right here in first. I mean, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1, at the end of verse 20, it says, let another take his office. Speaking of Judas, when he died, uh, Peter and the other apostles got together and they said, we need someone to fill his place. In order that the word might stand, we have to have 12. So he said, let another take his office. And here's where we find some of the distinctions, too, between office and gifting. It says, so one of the men, who, here are the requirements for the one that would take his office, not his gifting, but his office. It says in verse 21, So one of the men who have accompanied us during all of the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So there is a distinction between the original 12 apostles and those who are just gifted as apostles as being eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number two, the originals were used to pen the New Testament canon and in doing so laid the foundation of the church. Uh, that's in Ephesians 2.20. They were the pillars of the church, Galatians 2.9, and their words were the standard by which all other truths uh, are to be tested or was to be tested. And they still stand to this day, which sets the apostles far apart from any other so-called apostles today. So much so, now I know that there are apostles, you know, there are self-proclaimed apostles out there. Um, the third is the original apostles and Paul were handpicked by Jesus Christ. Now, there are people in our area, in our uh, world, that uh, they claim the title apostle, okay? You see this. Um, there's one not too far from here that is apostle so-and-so, okay? Um, do I have a major problem with that? I don't necessarily say that, oh, he's a heretic, you know, that's crazy, there's no. But 
to me, I would hesitate to ever take the title of apostle for the simple reason that it may uh, bring confusion as to the difference between the first original 12 apostles and what I am. Because there is a great difference between uh, me or you if you're an apostle or anybody else who might be an apostle and the original 12 apostles. For they set the canon and anything that a so-called apostle would do today must be tested and corrected by them. So that office, in my opinion, I think it's very clear, is closed. And it was closed with the original 12 because the canon is closed. And when I say canon, that's the scriptures, okay? This word cannot be added to. It cannot be taken away from. Uh, this is the canon of scripture. It was written by the prophets and the apostles and the kings of the Old Testament, and it cannot be broken. Therefore, the office of apostle is closed. But now, the gifting of apostle is still here. And we see the gift of apostle was given to men other than these original apostles and carries with it several marks. The desire and ability to go into the unknown uh, as one sent out, the desire and ability to build out of virtually nothing, the desire and ability to equip others and empower others. We talked about some of this stuff. The desire and ability to oversee the growth of the church. And down at the bottom of this list, I put here other apostles who were named in the scriptures but were not uh, the original 12 apostles. Okay, so we see the scriptures telling us, yes, there are other apostles, but there's a big difference between those that carried the office of apostle and those that have the gifting of apostle, much like those that have the office of prophet and those that have the gifting of prophet. There's a big distinction between those two. Uh, and we'll talk about prophet another time, probably next week. But uh, if, if a prophet said, thus says the Lord, what'd you do? You wrote it down and you said, yes, sir. Because a true prophet spoke the word of God. A prophet now hears from the Lord, and he may have a word. He may get a vision. He may get um, a special word for somebody, and it may stand true. But what do you have to do with it? Test it by the scriptures. So it stands in submission to the original prophets and the original apostles. Okay. Uh, if the, if, guys, if you want to come on up, I'm on my last one right now. Okay? And I want to tie all of this together, right? Uh, this won't take very long right here, maybe, maybe five to six minutes. We see Jesus Christ uh, as the original apostle who uh, is the blueprint and the foundation and is the builder of the church. So really, he is the beginning, the middle, and the end. Anything that would be done as we are gifted as apostles or gifted as prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, is to be uh, gauged or is to be compared to what Christ has already done. Okay, so Jesus Christ, as the original apostle, the one and only master builder, has set for us a rubric, and he has he is the blueprint and he is the foundation, and off of that we understand that he ascended into heaven. Now I wish I could get into this as the Lord just blew me away with some teaching last night, and I was sitting studying, preparing, and just finishing up. And Heather and I had probably an hour long conversation on oh man, John chapter, and I can't get into it, but John chapter fourteen where Jesus says. Um, yeah, it was good. It was a good conversation. But, but we, in John chapter 14, yeah, I got excited, man. She's like, she's like, how do you know? I'm like, I don't know. The Lord's, you know. So we said, in John chapter 14, this is a real quick side note here. John chapter 14, it says, um, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go, he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. And I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And the Lord said, what is it that I'm going to prepare? I'm going to build my house. 
what's my house? Oh, man. Oh, that's another. That might be next week right there, you know. That might be more of a preaching instead of a teaching. Oh, man. See, it's stuff like that right there. You get excited and you break your wrist, your uh, wristwatch. So let's finish out right here, though. So we see Jesus Christ as the blueprint and the foundation, the builder of the church, but I want you to see, too, that he is the finisher of the church. You see, we may look at this and we say, but Brandon, how do we know how we're gifted? How do we know? What if we fail? What if, what if God's calling me to lead? But man, I, you know, I, I don't know if I'll lead right. You know, he gave me a word. I, you know, you said, I, oh man, I felt like the Lord's been giving me a word lately. And, and you, you, think, you, know, you think I might be gifted as, a, as maybe I've got the gifting of a prophet? You know, I, man, I don't know if I should give that word. I don't know. What if I tell somebody something wrong? What if the Lord lays on your heart that you should go to someone and say, look, the God, God's calling you. He, he's gifted you for, for children's ministry. You need to, you need to go and, and be a part of that because the Lord's gifted you. And the, you just felt like the Lord was telling you that. Should you, how many of you in here, you don't have to raise your hand if you want to, how many of you in here have ever just felt like the Lord was saying, you need to go tell somebody this? How many of you? Lots of hands in the room. How we know? How we know? You may have the gifting of a prophet. Now, it's not to say you're going to stand up like Moses on the mount and say, obey my word. No, that, that you, the gifting of a prophet, I, don't know, I can't get into that today, but, but it's this, you're spiritually connected to the Lord and he, and, he, and he speaks to you in ways that he may not speak to a, an evangelist or a teacher or something like that. And, and prophets have their own downfalls too. Trust me, we got, we got one here, a couple here. You know, they, they're kind of weird sometimes. They are. I'm not even joking. Like they're here right now, and they can hear me say that. I don't, I don't mind because they're just weird, you know. Amen, Mickey? They're, I mean, they're weird, you know. Uh, they say things. They do things. I'm like, dude, what do we do, though? What, what if we got that gifting, and we're like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, what if we're an evangelist, and we feel like the Lord's calling us to go to, to some unknown people group, and, man, he's calling us way outside of our comfort zone. What if I go, and what if I fail? You see, I believe with everything in me, guys. I believe with everything in me that God is built. Jesus Christ is, he is the blueprint. He is the foundation. And he is building his church, but he is building his church through you. You see, he gave gifts to men. He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and, and so much more. Gifts of administration, gifts of service, gifts of helps, gifts of giving. All of these gifts work together to build up. And that's how Jesus is building his church. He's building his church through the church. And in Ephesians chapter 4, let me read this for you right quick because it, it blew me away last night. I don't know how I didn't ever make the connection. Listen to what he says. In Ephesians 4, right after he says he gave all of these for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the church, you know what he's doing? He's equipping you and preparing you, and he's pouring into you that the church might be built up. And he is building the church through the church. Listen to the scripture. It says in 15, he starts here in, in Ephesians 4, he says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So we are to grow up from from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, Jesus Christ working in and through you is building and building and building, and he's going to use you to build you. And he's going to do that by equipping you and speaking into your life and doing this work inside of you. But now we have questions. We say, I feel like I may be gifted as, a, as an apostle maybe. I like to lead. I like to build. I like to go. But how do I know? 
I don't know how to how do I tell that? Well, I'm scared. I know that the Lord, He's given me some visions before, but but I don't share those because I don't want people to think I'm nuts, you know, I don't want to I'm crazy, I'm crazy, I'm going crazy, right? We got some crazy people here, amen, Lance. Amen. I mean, we got some crazy people here, right? We all got our but here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. Oh, man, this is good. This is good. Now, this is the last one. Hang on to this right here, right? I said that like 10 minutes ago, didn't I? Christ has given gifts to men for the equipping and the building of the church, but he is still the one doing the work and will see it through to completion. Have no fear, child of God. The Lord will guide your steps. The Lord will make straight your path. The Lord is the one who both works and wills in you for his own good pleasure. It is the Lord that will keep you faithful. It is the Lord that will keep you humble as you seek him and as you love him and as you long for him and as you study his word, he will bring out. Paul tells Timothy, he says, fan into flame the gift that was given to you. You see, you've been given a gift, but if you won't tap into that gift, and I had a guy come to me and he say, what's my gift, Pastor? What's my gift, Pastor? I think he's in the room right now. I told him, I said, brother, you got to spend some more time. you got to be a little more open. you got to get in here a little bit more so I can see the gift, so that the gift can be revealed and then be implemented. You see, if a framer never comes around the job site, nobody has any idea whether he can swing a hammer or not. If a sheetrocker never, if he would have never called me, I have no idea. How, how do I know? I, I'm not the sheetrocker. Come. Come. Everyone who will, come. Come. See what the Lord has for you. See what job that he has for you. And as Mark spoke into me this morning, he said, he said Christ is going to build his church. Christ is going to build his church. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need you here. But he is desiring to allow you to be a part of what he is doing here. He has not served. He, he does not need anything. He does not need anything. The Bible very clearly tells us that. But he is the one who desires to give. He gave gifts to men. Would you, would you today recognize your gift? You see, I want to I share this. Christ, the master builder, is the architect. He's the foundation, the general contractor, the inspector, and the owner. You see, Christ, the master builder, will see to the completion of his house, the church, and will dwell in the house with his house forever and ever. Amen. John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. You see, it is Jesus Christ who who is at work in you. It is him that you can have confidence that he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. As we all stand to our feet, and as you understand that Jesus Christ is the beginning, the middle, and the end, and you understand that Jesus Christ is looking to use you, and he's gifted you for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the building of the body, how do you see God gifting you? Would you submit to that call? I know it's scary sometimes. I know it's scary, especially if you have a gift that's not widely accepted. But look, we hang everything on the Bible. You know, I've, there are people who walk out sometimes and I wonder, can they handle the truth? Some people come to me and they said, you better be careful on what you're preaching. 
hang me up by my toes. I preach the word of God either way. I have nothing to be ashamed of. I have nothing to be scared of. If God is for me, who can be against me? I don't have very long. You know? I could get fired. I could, I could fall out of a tree tomorrow. I refuse to water anything down. I refuse to not preach something because of fear. This is the, this is the Bible. Would you submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and whatever gifting he has given you? If you won't, then you handicap the body on that side. If you hear the voice of the Lord today, do not harden your hearts as they have done. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. If you hear his voice, come. Come all of you and acknowledge him who is the beginning, the middle, and the end. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Will you allow him to do it through you? That's the word of the Lord. What will you do with it? Let's respond to what we've heard.